so uh, we are uh, starting off a new series in the gospel according to John today. And over the course of the year, we're going to be spending a lot of time in John. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully, uh, this past week, in your daily readings, you read through uh, John's cha- John chapters 1 through 6. Uh, next week, you'll have chapters 7 through 12. Uh, and we will continue in this pattern for a little while um, to really allow the words of the gospel to sink deeply within us uh, so that we can better understand who Jesus is and how we are called to uh, give our lives in obedience to him. Uh, We are going to start off this this exploration of uh, who Jesus is and how John speaks about Jesus uh, talking about the analogies and similes and metaphors uh, that John and the characters in John use to talk about Jesus. Some of them are going to be used uh, directly by Jesus to refer to himself. So when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, we are talking about something that Jesus is saying specifically. But today, we are looking at the words of John the Baptist found in John chapter 1, that Jesus is the Lamb of God. And this tradition of the Lamb of God uh, really has two central examples in the history of Israel. Uh, The first comes from Genesis chapter 22. If you uh, remember, the middle portion of Genesis is all about Abraham. Uh, Genesis begins with Adam and Eve in the garden. You have uh, the fall of humanity. You have the flood narrative. And then you have God entering into a covenant relationship with Abraham and his descendants. And God tells Abraham, you're going to have a child and there will be a great nation through this child. And Abraham says, have you seen how old I am? Have you seen how old my wife is? And God said, yeah, I I know, don't worry about it. I am going to use you and build a great nation through you. And in his old age, Abraham, and his wife Sarah more specifically, gives birth to Isaac. And then in Genesis chapter 2, God tells Abraham to kill me a son, and Abe says, man, you must be putting me on. All right, no Dylan fans, that's that's fine. Um, Let's let's just pick it up. Uh, Genesis chapter 22. This is after the birth of Isaac. In beginning verse 1, sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, Abraham replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. So early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for his burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. 
And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father? Abraham replied, Yes, my son. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. If we remember, the story ends that uh, Abraham is ready to fulfill uh, what God tells him to do. He has Isaac on the altar, and uh, God says, wait, I see you took me seriously, uh, and provides a ram for the sacrifice. And here's the first place we see that a lamb takes place, or, or takes the place of a human. God is beginning to tell the story of what it will look like for his ham, his lamb, to redeem humanity. The story uh, takes on a, a, a more uh, full shape in Exodus chapter 12, where we read the story of Passover. Uh, if you remember, uh, by this time, we've gotten through the narrative of Abraham. You have Isaac, you have Jacob, uh, through the sons of uh, Jacob, and uh, most especially Joseph, who goes into Egypt, uh, becomes uh, essentially the prime minister of Egypt, and his whole family moves to Egypt and settles in Goshen. A few hundred years pass, and we have a whole bunch of Hebrews living over there in Goshen, uh, they could be free labor, you know, right? So the Hebrews are, are enslaved in Egypt, uh, and God raises Moses up to, to, uh, to free his people from captivity in Egypt. And Moses goes before Pharaoh, and there are ten plagues, and this same cycle plays out time and time again. Uh, Moses goes before Pharaoh, says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, not a chance. God sends a plague. Pharaoh says, bring Moses here. Says, okay, I'm going to let your people go. And then he changes his mind the next morning. And the same cycle repeats over and over again until the 10th plague uh, where we find the story of Passover. In chapter 12, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household, and if any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor. And having taken into account the number of people that are there, you are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. Then you are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. And that same night, they're going to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water roasted over a fire with the heads and the legs and the guts. And on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch when I strike Egypt. So here we have again this, uh, this image of the lamb having special power 
to redeem the people of God, to uh, get them out of uh, a pending disaster. Um, and the, the Passover becomes uh, this, major, this major event and festival and moment in the history of Israel. When we see the Lamb... The lamb is, is a redeemer. The lamb is a, a place taker. The lamb's an offering. The lamb is a sacrifice. And for John to say, here comes the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is playing right into that tradition. And this is a tradition that, that, that continues on uh, past the, the, uh, the ascension of Jesus uh, at the beginning of the book of Acts. If we skip forward to Revelation chapter 5, we see John the Revelator write that then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song that day, saying, Worthy, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then verse 12, they say together in a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Jesus is the Lamb. His, his blood not only brought restoration for Israel, but for every tribe and tongue and nation. When, uh, when Cindy and I were first married, um, we had a youth group in uh, the little village of Kansas, Ohio. Um, Kansas had 323 people living there uh, when we lived in Kansas. Um, and it was you know, about four square miles. So big, big area, few little people, about 100 people lived in town, and then there were, uh, you know, a, a handful of farmers outside. And we had this, this youth group, and all the kids in town would, would come. And, and one of the things that we would say to the, the, the kids often is, um, you know, we'd be talking about some topic. You know, it could be, uh, you know, drinking underage or premarital sex or what have you. Um, and, you know, Cindy and I would, we'd do our research, right? So, I mean, we knew that the percentages and the statistics said um, that chances are at least one kid that was there was already engaging in this destructive behavior. They just were. So we'd say, you know, um, obedience to God really does produce the best life. We guarantee it. But we understand that some of you have already done this. 
here's the deal. Jesus still loves you. We still love you. This church is still your home. And some of you are about to graduate and go off to college, and the data says that about half of you in your first semester will try this thing out. And when that happens, we still love you. God still loves you. This church is still your home. And the data says about 90% of you will have you know, done this by the time you finish college, and we still love you, and God still loves you, and this church is still your home. And we could say that with confidence because we knew that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That the reality is that we cannot get so dirty that the blood of the Lamb can't wash us clean. The Lamb stands in our place so that our sin doesn't bring our destruction. Heading back to John 1. The next day John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John understood his unique calling, the, the reason why he was placed on this planet, the reason why he came uh, in, the, in the time he did, in the place that he did, was for one purpose and one purpose only, and that was to reveal that the Lamb had come into the world. You know, we, uh, we share about 50% of our DNA with a banana. Did you know that? Uh, we share about 96% of our DNA with a chimpanzee. Uh, each of us share about 99% of the same DNA. But that 1% difference creates the diversity we see in the world. Changes the, the color of our skin and the color of our hair and our height and our width and the, the, our proclivities for thinking certain ways about certain things and our, our fastness or our slowness or our ability to jump high or to jump low. One percent. I mean, just the, the utter creativity that comes in that 1%. And we all have uh, a general calling from God. We're all uh, called to, to, to read the Bible, to understand who God is. We're all called to pray, uh, to connect with God. We're, we're all called uh, to, to, to find some way to make a difference in someone else's life. Um, but we also have that 1% calling that God has put us on this planet for. And for John, that 1% calling was to prepare the way for Jesus. So much so, that, that, that look at, at what comes next. In, uh, in verse... Um, where is it? Oh yeah, so, so in verse uh, 36, John repeats it. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And then he sent away two of his disciples to follow Jesus. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm amazed by this. 
Because we live in a world where uh, influence is seen as a commodity, right? Like, this is why when you watch a YouTube video, it always ends in like and subscribe, because influence is a commodity. It's, it, it, we, we aren't happy to pass and spread our influence around. But John understands his call is not to be the Messiah, it's not to be the prophet, it's not to be a second Elijah. He has one purpose in this world, and that's to point to Jesus being the Lamb of God. So that when Jesus comes, he tells his disciples, stop following me, follow him. He's, he's the one. Because he's the one who takes away the sins of the world. You know, we, we are in a year where uh, we're going to be given a lot of gospel narratives. Because the good news is that Elizabeth Warren is going to or the good news is that, you know, Donald Trump is already on. Or the good news is that, you know, Bernie Sanders or Andrew Yang or whoever. We are bombarded with this idea that if we just elect the right person, then all of our trouble will go away. If my guy wins, my life will be great. If your lady wins, it is all going to hell. I mean, like, this is the narrative, right? But here's the reality. There is no donkey that can save you. There is no elephant that can save you. Not even a porcupine can save you. We are saved by the Lamb. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we aren't just talking about those little sins, right? Like, lying to your wife that that dress looks great. No, no, we are talking about all of them. We're talking about the sins that you try and hide from everyone else, that, we, that you don't want them to know about. The, the, the stuff you do in private, in the dark, when no one else is watching. The things that, that when you've done, you've, uh, you've made sure no one found out about. He takes away the sins of the world. The blood of the Lamb washes us clean. And that's good news. Let's pray. Most holy and gracious Lord, we thank you that you have taken away the sins of the world. And Lord, we ask that you would reveal to us how, how we've been called uniquely. Like John's unique calling was to announce that you had come, how have you called us to announce that you have come? To make a difference in the eternal life of someone else. Lord, we confess that um, at times we have 
believed the, the lie of our culture that if we just put the right donkey or the right elephant into the right office, that everything will be fixed. Lord, we trust that it's the way of the Lamb that will save us. Nothing else. Lord, help us to put our confidence wholly in you, to trust you and you alone for the salvation of our sins, for our restoration into new life with the Father. Lord, we are thankful. We love you. We thank you. We praise you and we pray all of it this day in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.